Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, hello and welcome along to the VMT the Rugby Pod. The news yesterday, Andy Farrell picked his 37-man squad for the Six Nations. Two new debutants in there in Michael Lowry and Mac Hansen. Alan, what did you make of the squad? What did you like about it? What did you not like about it? Um, yeah, it, it, there's no great surprises, I think, um, I'm Stuart. Um, Andy Farrell has picked a lot of young players in the last... 12, 14, 18 months, if you like. Um, there's a lot of new faces that have come into the squad, particularly in those, you know, you, Japan and USA games last last summer. So he can't be criticised for not giving people an opportunity. I think you look at England and what Eddie Jones invariably does, brings in five or six new caps, um, nearly every Six Nations with a view to the World Cup. But Andy Farrell has done that, I think. So... There's no argument from me saying, well, he hasn't brought in young players and he hasn't blooded guys and tried to, you know, give give people their opportunities. Um, I think Michael Laurie getting into the squad is is fantastic and it's a, it's it's a great indicator of rewarding good form. Um, I think he's been outstanding in Europe for Ulster and he's someone that brings something different. Um, but overall, I think the balance of the squad, you know kind of picks itself Jack Carty who would have been very disappointed in November um, he rightly comes back into the squad and uh, and that's based on form but overall I think you know what what Ireland did in November and the performances and the way they played I think they should be in confident mood and by and large the squad you know picked itself but you know few people unlucky I think if Simon Zebo has play, played a lot of matches, then you make an argument for him. He was picked in November, didn't get any game time. But since then, he's played practically no rugby through COVID and um, the breaks that Munster had. But overall, there's there's no real arguments. I think maybe Stuart McCluskey can feel, feel very unlucky. Um, I, I just think back at the performances he's put in this year, particularly in, in, in Claremont and how effective he's been. And, Someone who's been kind of on the fringes for a number of years, but it's a very competitive area. And you know, James Hume rightly gets into the centre there, and um, on, on based on what he's he's shown us. But uh, you know, it's a strong squad, and it's a squad that uh, we'd be hopeful and optimistic about. I don't think we need to get. I don't think anyone's going to get too carried away because um, the fixtures are very difficult this year when you're away to France and England. Um, and the Six Nations has a real mind of its own and sometimes form goes out the window. But I think they're in good shape going into the start of this competition. 
Matt, do you agree with Quinny? Do you like the look of the 37-man squad? Is there anyone you feel is unlucky there to miss out? Well, I, I agree with Quinny in, in almost every sense. But the other parts too, isn't it wonderful for Irish rugby when we could make arguments for a whole lot of other guys to be there? But again, you, when I say you can make arguments, exactly what Quinny said about Simon Zubo, I think Simon would be a great player on the bench. But it, it, he hasn't played a lot of game time. But the other guys coming in, they're sort of forcing their way in. It's a great position for the selectors to have such a choice. Uh, and, I, I get, you know, again, let's give give the Irish uh, selectors some um, some credit. They've spent some time over the summer uh, bringing in young guys. They, they changed the squad uh, quite considerably, or, or the starting 15 anyway, for the uh, November internationals that were such a success and the way they played was such a success. So they're, they're growing some depth, which is what you need to do. And I, I, I think it's a very good squad. I agree with Quinny. France away, England away, it makes it hard. But they're also great opportunities for the players and the team to grow, to get one of those fixtures, to pick up one of those, win their home games and to pick up one, well, they, they'll be there or thereabouts, um, which is a really healthy position for the, for the group. The, the, the thing I must say... Um, that does concern me is our out-half position where I, I saw a, a stat yesterday. Now, I haven't got this checked officially, but, you know, Johnny Sexton's game time since he was injured in the November Internationals, I think I read it was only 32 minutes. Now, and the other part that worries that is Joey Carberry is not far in front of him. You know, I think it was in the 40s or, or low 50s as far as game time. Now, in a two-and-a-half-month, three-month period, that's, that's really worrying. Jack Carty, good luck to the young man. You know, he deserves his chance. But I've I, I got to say that 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 does concern me with our who would be our top two out halves, and you would suspect that Sexton will start and uh, Joey will be on the bench. Both of them, you know, they don't have 80 minutes between them. Now, that that is concerning. Now, if you compare that to the English game time, which I, I also saw the stats... They're up in the hundreds, 300, sometimes some of their players 400 minutes a game time. That's because of the rigours of the English competition. Now, whether that becomes a strength that the Irish players in key positions are very fit, very fresh, ready to rock, or they're underdone, well, as Quinny said, the Six Nations takes on a life of its own, and you don't know. Overall, that's a very, very good Irish squad. And if they play the same philosophy of rugby, I think they could have uh, some more success than we hoped. Quinny, just picking off the off the back of Matt there, he sent about the fly halves there with Sexton, Cartier and Carberry. Johnny Sexton, obviously an Ireland legend, delivers when he has to. Do you have any concern that he hasn't played as much games over the last couple of weeks or last couple of months? Yeah, well, look, if you don't play matches, I think it's 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 not an ideal situation, but uh, maybe it could be a beneficial thing for Johnny Sexton um you want to get that match sharpness and that that cohesion together um because of his age I think I wouldn't be over concerned and he's the way he thinks about the game and the experience he has I think he he seems to be he's been in positions before where he's come back from long-term injuries and gone straight into top level rugby and performed um the over-reliance on Johnny Sexton um is a concern um and that sounds like I'm being critical. It's not. I just think it's an area in the last couple of years that we've needed to get more depth at fly half and 
at ha- at scrum half. And, you know, Conor Murray, Johnny Sexton have just been wonderful players for Ireland for such a long period. And you want strength and depth um, in, in, in key areas and key positions. And I think the gap between Sexton and the rest is still, you know, still there. We haven't seen a consistent run of performances from from their understudies, from, from Joey Carberry. Um, Jack Carty has had his problems since the World Cup, um, shipped a bit of blame unfairly there, lost confidence, um, wasn't performing for Connacht, ended up not playing every week for Connacht last when he came back from the World Cup. But um, And look, we, we talk about that gap a lot, but you know, when you have a player who's been so consistently good for Ireland and for Leinster for such a long time, sometimes it's hard. When Ron Nogara left Munster, um, I think they've probably 10, 12 years still trying to replace him. And and that's just the reality. Sometimes the, the quali- these quality of players, you have to enjoy them while they're, while they're there. And, and in an ideal sense, you'd love to have guys coming through who can reach the same level. And that's not always the case. But um, he's still someone who I believe can perform. And, and uh, maybe there's less pressure on him now, what, what's happened in the last couple of seasons and a lot of scrutiny on him. We saw the way it turned in in in, uh, in November, but you know, if Ireland have a bad Six Nations, Johnny Sexton is the one who's probably going to get most of the flack because of his experience, his leadership, and his quality. But I think it's important that um, if Johnny Sexton goes off or was injured or went off early in a game, and 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 that you know Carberry comes on and and is able to deliver and keep that cohesion going and. Um, but, you know, he's he still looks sharp. He still looks like someone, and based on what we saw in November, who can still deliver at this level. Yeah, he does look as sharp as ever when he plays. Matt, out of Michael Laurie, James Hume, Robert Balakoon, you know, uh, Gavin Coombs, is there anyone else you'd like to see out of the so-called fringe players get a, a real good shot in this Six Nations? It's it's very interesting, Stu. I mean, they're, they're quality players. I, I, you know, I'm very glad that... that you know, Balakun and and Coom got their have given their starts because they're, they're outstanding players. But again, I, I mean, we need that. We need these guys coming through. We need the and I wouldn't call them fringe players, Stu. I'm not not criticising you there. I, these are just exceptionally good young players, and the fact that they can't crack the the senior side again is a really good thing for Irish rugby. It's not good for those young men. They must be very frustrated. But the combinations that the national team are putting together and the way they play, um, you know, you, you you can't get into that side. You get into that side on form. Now, if, the, if I, I'm saying all this with a, with a bit of fear in my heart because over the last 20 years, whenever I come out and say oh, the Irish national team are really on track and doing a good job, that's when they fail. So I don't want to bring the kiss of death on them. But the point then comes back, who do you drop? Do you... Do you how, do, do you do you drop Hugo Coonan at fullback? No, you can't. You know where, where does who comes off the wing? What, what, what do you do to get Balakun in the side? So I think what what the Celtics are doing is bringing these guys through, getting them ready. Their opportunity comes when you least expect it. Someone gets injured, you called up, bang, you're in. Here's your opportunity. And what I think the I know that Andy Farrell and, the, and his coaches are doing very, very well is keeping these guys around the team, keeping them uh, in the knowledge and the systems that they're using and getting them ready so that if something happens, 
and Coombs gets his chance. And I, I just think he's an outstanding young player. I really, really enjoy watching him. But the, the quality of the Irish back row is so strong. Where You know, the way that, that back row performed in November, they have to be given, as long as they're fit and not injured, they have to be given the opportunity to start the first Six Nations game. And therefore, Coombs doesn't even make the bench, I don't think. But when his opportunity comes, he has to grab it. So I think that's the point, Stu, that they can only fit so many of these guys in. But now what it's about, it's not not just about giving guys opportunity. It's about lifting the quality of the entire squad. And that comes from competition, and there's a lot of competition in that squad. I think I think it's very healthy. I think there's a there's a good mixture of of the number of caps the guys have. And remember, we want to get, come World Cup, we want to get most of the top 30 guys up around the 20 cap mark. So there's still some time. It's, it's, it's not going to be easy for the Balakoons of this world to get to that number, but that's what what you want. Teams that win World Cups, they have, they have most of their starting day or top 30 players, 20 caps and above, and that's got to be the goal. So whether Andy Farrell mixes those guys in, or not um, during you know the Italian game and, and or on the bench for some of the the other games the home games I'm not sure, but that's the goal. But I, I I don't I don't think there should be some other people in there. I think it's just about right. Again, I bring you back. Do the Burn boys get their chance? Is it Jack Carty? We could argue for an hour on that. The point is we've got to get our number three uh, out half. He's got. We've got to find a way to give him time so that when they get the opportunity comes or the, or the problems come, he's not he's not caught short. That, to me, is the big issue surrounding the squad. Yes, Alan, the strength and depth really, you know, is starting to get unbelievable, isn't it? You know, all these top-class outside players, as I say, that don't make the 23 are still phenomenal, aren't they? Yeah, there's there's a lot of players that are, are knocking on the door, I think. Um, and, and it's that depth, I think. I go back to the, you know, I think... Gibson Park coming in at scrum half puts puts huge pressure on Connor Murray. Uh, Craig Casey has has stepped up there, so I think uh, Kieran Marmion is very unlucky. Um, he's very unlucky not to be in the squad. I think he's been brilliant for Connacht as well. But um, Gibson Park has taken hold in, in in November. Now Connor Murray has a fight to try and get get that jersey back, which um, you know in the position where it's positioned at the moment, Gibson Park is the one in possession. Um, there's a lot of good players, you know. Nick Timoney, I think, is someone who's been really good consistently as well. But you know, Matt said it: the back row of of Doris Conan and Van der Fleer have have um, they're it's an unbelievable balance of that. It's great footballing back row. Um, they're hard workers, I think, um, and they have big, big moments in games. And I suppose in in from. If I was, if I was, if I had any concerns, I think um, it would be when we come up against France and England, and it's really, really physical and attritional. We don't have a big bruiser in that second row spot. I think Ian Henderson can do it. Um, sometimes I'd like to see him, and I've probably said this before. He'd probably kill me if he ever meets me. Um, just to be a bit of a bruiser, be because he's a brilliant footballer as well, if you know what I mean. Just someone who's who's a real nuisance, who's busting up malls, who's really, um, you know, physical. And 
James Ryan is more of a footballer. He carries a little bit more and he's a bit more, which, which traditionally, you know, you want a big kind of a bruiser at, at four and then more of a line-out runner and um, someone who runs a line-out the other second row. But, you know, when you come up against England, it's dealing with that physicality in France. And sometimes we've, in the last couple of years, we can't just dismiss um, a couple of issues we've had in the last number of years with physicality. Um, we can't just get away from that and say it's not going to be an issue again. We've it solved. I think we'll be more aware and conscious of that. We have a front row now. If Porter, Keller and Furlong start, in my opinion, it's as good as any front row in the world. Um, they're so physical. They do they do so much more than what traditionally props were, were, were relied to do on and expected to do. They carry, they tackle, they win turnovers, they offload, they can pass. They're sensational and their work rate, again, is is just of such a high standard that they have so many big moments. So um, hopefully, you know, we can deal with that just out and out size that sometimes you get with France and England. Uh, but there's there's a lot of fringe players that are could easily come in. You know, if you if you make changes like you Bundiaki, Henshaw, Ringrose in the centre, well, Three doesn't go into two, so one of them is going to lose out on starting in the team. Then you have James Hume, so you, you have a lot of positions there. I think with with James Lowe um, being injured and missing certainly the first part of, of the, the Six Nations, I think it does open the door for Robert Balakoon and maybe Andrew Conway or Balakoon can play in the left wing. Um, not, not, not ideal. They're both right wingers, uh, predominantly right-footed. So I think getting Balakoon in the team um going forward for me that out and out pace is is something that's just it's such an advantage to have and i think he's such a big physical player and he's going to get better and mature more what i liked about him at the weekend against northampton it was just uh his presence in the air winning uh, you know 50 50 balls uh, from 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 high kicks um and the work he's worked right off the ball as well so um there's a lot of depth in this squad. You know, you, you, you think of the other position. Who, who What happens with Tyburn, Ian Henderson and James Ryan? You know, who, two, two second or start, one of them is going to sit in the bench. The advantage for Andy Farrell, and, and Matt will know this as a coach, to have those kind of options if you want to change a game, to be able to bring on a Tyburn um, or an Ian Henderson, or, you know, off the bench and... Kilcoyne as an impact player, Keane Healy, Sheehan as a hooker. You know, there, there's no great options there and real impact. So there's a lot of depth, but I think the team will more or less pick itself when it comes to the selection for that first game against Wales. Matt, to wrap up the Six Nations chat, you've mentioned the strength and depth concerns at the fly half. Do you have any other concerns with this Ireland team? I think I'd go along with, with Alan. Um, you know, how do you nullify Courtney Laws, so if, if we're talking about the big away games, how do you nullify Courtney Laws and Mara Otoje? They, they've been the thorn in the side of Ireland that, are, that, is, that has really changed that, that balance between the Irish and the English in the, in the last few fixtures. You know, probably since, since uh, the great St. Patrick's Day win for the Grand Slam in Twickenham there. Since that time, how do you nullify that? And then you say, well, without dismissing our, our Celtic cousins and the Italians, how are you going to stop um, 
DuPont and Intermac when you when you go to France, go to Paris, Stade de France, when they, they beat New Zealand, those two guys were just extraordinary. They're the great questions we haven't answered, but they're the dilemmas that face the Irish side that we haven't been able to do in the last few years. Now, on the contrary side of that, the, the other thing I, I hope and pray is that the Irish side does not lose the style of rugby that they brought to the New Zealand and Argentinian games. It was magnificent and it was successful. And they have to hold their nerve. Now, through the dead of winter, if it's a wet, wet rainy day, the Twickenham, that makes it very hard. I, I, I understand that. But all things being equal, if they can hold that same game plan, that will trouble the English. They don't like that. Eddie's teams coached by Eddie Jones do not like that style of rugby. And if they can bring it, they've got a good chance. And on the same with the French, if you don't do that, you won't beat them. If you just try and rope a dope France, like New Zealand, you'll lose. You've got to play rugby. So so there's all those questions there. How do you nullify the, the greats in the English and the French away from home? And then how do you maintain, not the courage, but... I would say the determination to play a, a game that has high risk but high reward, as they showed against New Zealand and Argentina. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. But but also, I think it's it's advantage Ireland. No one gives them a chance against uh, your Twickenham or Stade de France. Even better. Let's have a go. What have we got to lose? Nothing. There's only there's only pluses in that for Ireland. I think that's a that makes it exciting for uh, all the Irish supporters as well. Well, let's hope they can deliver in a couple of weeks' time against Wales. Alan, moving it to this Saturday and back to the Heineken Champions Cup. On Virgin Media, we have Bath v Leinster. Leinster need a point just to make uh, the last 16 in April time. They go to Bath. What do you make of it, Alan? Um, too strong for Bath. They're obviously struggling. But Leinster in general, they'll want to pick up five points, won't they, at the rec? Yeah, I think a um, little bit of frustration with what happened um in Montpellier being awarded those 28 points in round two and that's been well documented um they've just got to get on with it and I said it before the Montpellier game last weekend and they showed a real ruthless edge Montpellier were dreadful um did a lot of espores um academy players um they're called espores in France is it Matt and uh it means hope doesn't it yeah it's yeah. unbelievable and um it you know it, it was it was it was all too easy, but what Leinster did was showed a real ruthless edge. Their execution was brilliant, and it was a perfect kind of training ground run for them. Um, it's risky going to Bath. Bath are more or less out of it. I think a miracle might get them in, but they'd have to beat Leinster by with a bonus point win. They're on two points at the moment. They'd have to get to seven. They may sneak in if that happened, but it won't happen. I think Leinster are too good. They've too much experience, too much quality, and they'll have a real hunger to go and get maximum points here and put themselves in a in a decent position to try and get, make sure they get into that top four, which is still achievable. If they go, they're on ten points at the moment, um, and if they get another maximum bonus point win, you know they they'll more than likely get in that top four, which will could make a huge difference for them going forward. Um, so I think they'll be too good. Um, they dismantled Bath in the first game in Dublin, and 
the danger with these games is is mentally yourself as a team um making sure that there's an edge there that you don't expect it to happen and in in sport all the time we speak about this a top level sport it can happen if you just drop your standard a little bit and a little bit relax so i think they'll be looking for a quick start um and to be ruthless as well but they've caused la rochelle a few problems last weekend um, and I'm sure they're not going to lie down for Leinster. It'll be a big scalp. They were struggling in the Premiership all season and win a game like this and it's kind of, it changes the whole structure and the feeling around the club. So they'll certainly be up for it, but I think Leinster are just going to be too strong and will get maximum points. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, do you agree with that, uh, Matt? Also, I actually want to get your take, Matt, on Montpellier's team against Leinster. Did that devalue the competition for you? Uh, I, I think there's huge problems with the competition. I, I think in the in the midst of COVID here in France and, and uh, Montpellier only an hour up the road from where I live, the area we, we live in in Occitanie has is, is, is been hit, is the worst hit in France at the moment. By COVID, uh, a quarter of a million people every day getting it here. So I, I'm not pointing the finger at Montpellier without, because I think that would be unfair. Because I do know it has ravaged um, the local area here at the moment. That during the Delta uh, wasn't. It, in other words, there was a lot of people down south of France where we are didn't get didn't get it. it was usually in the north. That's sort of swinging with the Omnicon now, and, and they did have a. a a lot of players out. I think the whole structure of the competition and a whole lot of the ways, the pool stages, the number of games you've got to win to make the round of 16, I think there's a lot of issues there, a lot of issues that need to be brought out. I I, I don't like it. I'll be really open with you. I don't like the, the new structure. Um, you know, just before we went on air there, we were all talking and, you know, it is possible when we've got a round to go, we can't give a definite on this, but you could make... The, the equivalent of the playoffs, the round of 16, on six points. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's that's just you know. So what does that mean? Six points you can you could have you know losing losing uh, three draws get you in. Like you, in the old days of Heineken Cup, you could drop one game, you know, and and you could say, okay, drop one game, we'll still make it. Drop two games, you almost had no chance. You know, set, some some years it was below 16, uh, below 18. As, as Quinny was pointing out before, but like that—that's not healthy for me. That means if if the Heineken Cup starts beginning of the season, 
it doesn't really mean anything till till we get past the Six Nations. Of course, the pool stages aren't aren't really meaningful rugby. So and they've got to be very very careful. The the the, um, the, the committees and the people that run the Heineken Cup, um, you know, they've got to be super careful that they don't devalue the club. They don't the the, the competition rather. They don't take it away. So I, I don't think in in the COVID year that you can point the finger at the Montpellier team for doing that. Obviously, a, a cricket score like that doesn't do anyone any good. Doesn't do the competition any good. Didn't do Leinster any good. It certainly didn't do Montpellier any good. But it's not just that that's the problem. They're, 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 the problems are are much much deeper. For example, if Leinster lose, there's a chance. Now it's a very slim chance they lose, and it's a very slim chance they won't get a point. But if they do, and games games go the other way, one of the best teams in Europe could, could we, we undoubtedly on performance, the best teams in Europe could miss the round of sixteen. They're the sort of things that you just cannot. A good competition does it, the, the structures of a good competition does not let happen, and unfortunately, the Heineken Cup, you know, that's close to my heart and Quinny's heart. We love that competition. The changes to it have forced that on the competition, and they are not good changes. And Matt, just uh, finally on that point of Leinster, you think they will get five points? Do you at the rec? Cool. Well, the rec's a tough joint to go to. Um, Bath are a very proud club. And I think the way they got smacked at the Aviva there in December um, sent reverberations through the club and they came out and responded. I think it'll be a much, much tougher game than we saw, and thankfully so, than we saw at the Aviva because Bath were Bath were embarrassing. That, that, that a great club like them could fall so far didn't, didn't give me any joy watching it. Uh, I do think Leinster will be enough. Will do enough to get the bonus point win, but I think Bath will put up a much much stronger performance uh, and play with a lot more spirit than they showed in Dublin. Cool. And uh, Alan, your old team monster, three from three in the competition. Jack Crowley was pretty good on Friday night. They take on Wasps. They'll want to. I know they've qualified, but they'll want to finish as high in the pool and the seating positions as possible, won't they? Yeah, they will, and I think they need a performance as well. Um, I, I'm sure. I'm sure no one uh, better than themselves would like to get a good performance and and get a bit of feel good factor going within the group. They've they've got a fair bit of flack lately, um, and I suppose if Johan Van Graan was given uh, three wins from three rounds at the start of the competition and already qualified, he would have taken it. Um, Wasp was the high one, high point over in in Coventry. I think there was great excitement about that and and the magnitude of of winning that with a lot of young players and and the amount of players they were missing. Was had their own issues. We'll acknowledge that always. Um, but Caston in, in Thoman Park was a bit of a drab affair. And Friday night, uh, we spoke last week, it was going to be a dogfight. And Munster had to just find um, about a little bit of variety in their game and, and presence and control. And at times they had that. I think they had... They were trying to be ambitious, but again, the accuracy let them down. So I think Stephen Larkin was talking this week about the reference points of, of um, you know, Munster not being the team that kicks the most in, in either competition. And and that's fine, but um, they've been, the performances have been hard to look at at times. And I think the players are better. I think that's what people really mean outside that. And some of the accuracy and execution hasn't been good enough but 
mentally, I think in the last two weeks, we've seen a response and an energy and a, and a work rate about the team. Um, has it been perfect? No, far from it. But winning against Ulster and then you know, getting the result in the end. And I think they would have had so many regrets if they came out of Cass on Friday night not winning that game. It was a week in Cass' side who did make it difficult and didn't really want to play rugby. Um, Munster tried to, to put a bit of variety, but things broke down and, and there's still issues there around their accuracy. But Gavin Coombs' try at the end, um, they got... They got a reward for for sticking in there and and being mentally tough. And I think it'll it'll be another step in the growth of these players. Where we want to see the steps is in the accuracy and 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 being more evasive in what they're trying to do. I think Jack Crowley was a big positive. Um, his overall performance again wasn't perfect, but I think I saw glimpses and and touches from him that would give you hope for for. For the future with him, Peter O'Mahony is the one player, in my opinion. Uh, well, not the one. Ty Byrne, his performances have been outstanding, but I just think Peter O'Mahony this season has has been playing really well in in a, t- a tough tough situation in Munster. And uh, so, yeah, it's it was it was a great win, and they're already qualified. But you know, we did the the Wasps-Toulouse game at the weekend. What a performance from Toulouse, from, from Wasps with 14 men for 50 minutes of the game. Um, they'll love nothing more than to come to Thoman Park and, and win on Sunday. So, if anything, it'll really, that that win by Wasps against Toulouse will really focus the Munster minds. But I just think that, Stuart, they need a performance for themselves more than anybody else. And I think they should be really striving. I know they will be. And I'd love to see him get a, a really decent performance um, on Sunday against Wasps, which potentially is a, is, a, is a really tricky fixture. Matt, where do you think this Monster team ceiling is this season? Is it a last 16? Is it a quarterfinal? Are they good enough to get to a semifinal? That's a very good question, Stu. I think we sometimes forget um, with our elite athletes, they're people. And... Um, there's no doubt that Van Gran and uh, Stephen Larkham announcing that they're leaving would have an effect on the team, even though I know that both those coaches are professionals, they, they, they love rugby, they'd be still working their heart out within the Munster organisation. But to, to know your, your two of your, your coaches, people that you might admire and you know, and, and be friends with and, and have great respect for are leaving, it does affect the team. It does. And it's not because people have stopped working or aren't trying as hard. That's just, that doesn't exist. Um, it, it just has an effect. So the, I'm, I think this is a really pivotal game for Munster to answer those questions. Where do they end up? Where do they end up? Because when you have a club that has um, lots of disruption to it that, Losing, you know, two of your, your head coach and your attack coach is obviously major, major disruption to it, it to to the team. How you respond to that, whether whether you can get through that, okay, we've we've had all the last couple of weeks of it all burn in the paper, and it affects your parents read it, your partners read it, your you know mates read it, you went to school with, and they all talk about it, and that affects you, even though you're trying not to as a player or a member of that club. If Munster come out on um, in the match on Sunday, 
as Quinny said, and put in a performance, I think the future for Munster this season can be positive. They can make quarters. And once you make a quarter, anything's possible. Anything's possible once you make the quarters because that then springs you on. You've got a, you've got a shot. New competitions. Each time you win is a new competition. And I know they're in the round of 16. But if they can get a performance and get some belief, because Wasps are coming there to do a job. Wasps are embarrassed about what happened at Coventry. They showed last week against Toulouse, who are a great club. Now, I know Toulouse have got some injury problems as well. But they are coming there to do a job on Munster. So this is a really pivotal game for Munster. I, I hope they put in a performance. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think it's going to be uh, uh, almost a game, uh, sorry, a great game to watch on the weekend for the Munster supporters. So I think it's a pivotal game. And if, if Munster come out and perform, future's good. If they don't, well, it might be the opposite. Another big game on Saturday night this time in Belfast, Alan. Ulster v Claremont. Ulster, another team, three from three, already qualified. We'll want to get a win. And, you know, that, I suppose it will be a last 16, home, a second leg, and then that quarterfinal, if they could win that. But what do you make of Ulster at the moment? They're pretty impressive, aren't they, Alan? Yeah, yeah, they are. I think um, I wasn't that impressed with them down in Limerick against Munster, given uh, they were in control. They probably should have won that game. And I think they were a little bit naive in in, in trying to contain Munster in that, that game in the URC. But um, they brought a real energy and a, and a brilliant performance to, to Franklin's Gardens at the weekend. And, and, and it was a brilliant win. So I think they're in a great position. And there's a sense with Ulster, Stuart, that when they kind of go for it, and, and I think Matt said it last week, that w- when they attack with pace, tempo, and, and r- try and keep the ball alive, and 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 that they can be so effective, it's when they, they don't have the ball, and sometimes when things are a bit slow and stagnant, it's just a bit of game management, stuff like that, that I think is, is, their, is their weakness. Um, which they need to get better at, but when 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 the tempo gets up in games and um, they have players who are playing, and I think Dan McFarland um, spoke about Balakoon and Michael Lowry that they have no fear, and in a sense, when Ulster get on that kind of tempo pace type performance, um, they're a very difficult side to stop, and they've been very very impressive. Two brilliant away wins, um, away in Claremont and away in Northampton, and um, I think they they're in a great position now. That's you know they're on fourteen points and um, a, a bonus point win against Claremont in Belfast would really seal the deal and make it a, a brilliant um, you know pool stages for them. They're already qualified, but they're going to have a Claremont side who and Matt will notice well from being in France. They're very, very capable. They have a lot of internationals. They have a lot of quality. And there'll be a desperation within their group. They're on seven points to make sure that they qualify for this round 16. So if you allow Claremont kind of settle in Belfast on Saturday evening and get their tails up and the passes start sticking, well, they can cut you apart. So um, mentally, again, it's um, and that's the great. That's what I loved about Europe. Always, it's the mental challenge week after week after week. You drop your standard a little bit, think it's going to happen, and that's where you come unstuck. So, 
growth in the team and, and a lot of these young players, this is this is um it's a re- it, this is a test and this is one I'm looking forward to see how they handle this and and find a bit of an edge against the Clermont side who are very, very dangerous. Matt, I know you're a big fan of Dan McFarland and the brand of rugby is great to watch, isn't it, for Ulster? Yeah, I've been been really refreshing. I mean, and you, you've got to give him credit too. It's not it's not just saying, oh, it's pretty rugby. It's successful rugby. You don't go to Franklin Gardens and beat Northampton and go to Claremont, Stade Frederick Michelin, and win without having a, an effective game plan. Like That's just not um, a bit of luck, you know, we, we scraped it in. You, you have That's an, a very effective game plan against these teams. And uh, also deserve a lot of credit. Now, we, we've, got to, we've got to spin back a little bit here before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Pool stages are only four games in the current format. They used to be six. So in reality, in the old competition, Ulster are only halfway through. And this has been their huge issue over the years, is consistency. I think Saturday night's a big night. For all the reasons Quinny just pointed out, Claremont are, are, are a club that value Europe. They're one of the French clubs that, that has a very high price on, on winning in Europe. Some of the other clubs don't. Claremont do. And Claremont are going to have to come there and get some points to guarantee that they're going to be at the pointy end of the season, and they want to be. And they'll also have been given the rounds of the kitchen by their coach, their president, their fans, the media, for losing to Ulster at home. So I think it's a big night for the men in white. I think they're going to – Claremont are coming there with a lot of purpose, and they're going to really put it to them. And, again, I I love Quinny's point because he's 100% correct. So much of the Heineken Cup is is your – mental state. You, I've seen it over the years in the last round where, where teams are qualified and a team that's either not qualified or struggling comes in and the, the other team should beat them and they don't because of the mental preparation, the little bit of ease. The thing, same thing we spoke about with Munster, but on the other side of the realm, they're already qualified, we're playing well. And the trouble the Ulster boys have up in Belfast, they're the only gig in town. They're the only, only team. Everyone writes them up. They're great. They're great. They're great. They're great. And they're picking up the papers and they're reading it. They're watching the, the TV because they don't report on anyone else. They just report on, on the Ulster team. And all, that gets into the players' heads. And, to, and to me, that's a huge issue for the Ulster team is, is avoiding when you're winning, everyone telling you are great. And when you're losing, everyone telling you are hopeless. Truth's always somewhere in the middle. So it, I think it's a very pivotal night. For for Ulster, just as it is for months, I think it's a very very pivotal night for the for the longevity of their success in the competition at Ravenhill. Uh, I'll be fascinating game to watch. I, I don't think there'll be a, either side. I don't think it's going to be a bonus point win. I think uh, either side can win, but I think it'll be very close. Yeah, it'll probably be very tight, Matt. As you say, let's hope they can get it done. I'll, uh, the final province we want to look at is Connacht. They'll be hurting from that last gas defeat to Leicester, blowing that. 18-point lead, but they go to Stade Francais in Paris. They only need a point to qualify, and they really, really want to get into the last 16, won't they, for the first time in the club's history to make the knockout stages? Yeah, they will. I think um, I think they can still take a lot of um, a lot of confidence and a lot of belief out of what happened last week, even though it was devastating in the end for, for Connacht. Um, they came up against a really good side who... Have been doing it in the, the Gallagher Premiership um, this year. They've been the team to beat Leicester, so it's a bit of a learning curve for them. So um, 
I've no doubt they can go to, to Paris and put in a performance. Again, you just don't know what what's going to happen with um, with Stad. Um, if they were to beat Connacht, and we're talking about a lot of permutations here, and nothing really clear, but they're only on two points, Stad, and I just think mentally, um, I doubt if they'll be they'll be really concerned about this. We don't know what team they'll pick, but I think Connacht are good enough and will go there and and really go for it and their tempo um their accuracy and attitude will get them a win i think it could even get them a bonus point win um because that's just the way they play isn't it um so i think they're good enough them it just depends how badly affected they were by last week um i'm sure andy friend has tried to pick them up and say look we're still gonna in a great position to make the round 16 and i think that'd be a massive achievement you know getting into the knockout stage for Connacht. That's where they want to be. They're good enough to be there. And um, I think they will will get the job done at the weekend against against uh, Stade Francais. Um, it's kind of hard when you don't have teams and you're not really sure who they're going to pick. But um, there's so many positives from last week, particularly in, tack, in attack. Um, just obviously just this last 20 minutes, um, taking the sting out of the game, some game management and the ability to come up with some big plays to change the momentum that Leicester were trying to and developing. So um, I'd be confident and I think they will go to, to Paris and and I think they'll get a bonus point win there and, and it'll be brilliant pool stages for them. Um, I don't think too many people would fancy them in the round 16 because of their unpredictability and the way they play and the way they attack. Um, and I think they deserve to be there. Matt, would you be confident that Connacht will go to Paris and beat Stade Francais, or will it be really hard to um, come back? You know, pick themselves up after that defeat against Leicester. Well, I think the key for Andy Friend, and I know Andy would say this, the result wasn't what they wanted, but that was a that was a there was still a lot of good in that performance. I mean, Leicester are one of the best teams in Europe at the moment, leading the Premiership in England, and they had them on the ropes. That they will sit there for the rest of their lives and wonder how they lost that game. They'll have a reunion in 20 years and say, how did that happen? How did we lose that night? And that's the, that's what rugby does to you. The other side of the, the fence is they're going to Paris and Stade Francais are not the Stade Francais of the past. When Max, Max Kuzami was, was the president there, they valued Europe. They won Europe. Fabian Galtier was coach when they won Europe. They, they, were, they were a European powerhouse. And Quinny would remember... They're my, my first ever uh, European Cup game when I came into Leinster was at, at uh, Stade Jambon in, in Paris against uh, Stade Francais, and they were a magnificent club in every, in every way. They, they've just gone so far off the pace since those days. Some really bad decisions being made within the club, coaching, selections, the whole bit. I question the fitness of the players, and I also question whether... They'll want. They'll be motivated for this game. They're, they're, they'll be thinking of the top four in the French, the French one, the French competition. I don't know that. It's, I don't know. Quinny's always a very positive man, much more positive than me. He's got a bonus point win. I don't know about a bonus point win, but I, I do believe they can win. Uh, that, is, that is, Connacht can win there, and I do believe that they'll get into the to the playoff stages, even if they lo- if they lost. Let's let's look at the bad side. I still think it'd be a very close loss, but I don't think they will. I think they'll go to win because even though they lost a bad game on the weekend, they let a lead go. 
they'll have the motivation. If we can go to Paris and just pick up a couple of points, we can scrape a win against this side. Give it its history, we're going to make it. I think that'll motivate that team. It's not like they got beaten by 40 points by Leicester. It was, you know, such a heartbreaking one. I, I think they'll show some uh, character that they've shown all year and come back and do it. Again, as I said on the pod last week, and as Quinny alluded to, it's their D that's letting them down. It's what they're doing when they don't have the ball that they've got to really focus on and work on because that's that's what's killing them. Well, it'd be brilliant for the club if they did get a win and, of course, qualify to the last 16. Alan, finally, predictions. What are you saying? Four wins for the Irish provinces or how do you see this weekend going? Yeah, I think so. I think... Um... I think Leinster are just too good to slip up against Bath. Um, the the interesting one, and you you probably you'll probably kill me for this, is Ulster. I just I'm really interested to see how they approach this and and um, can they take that step just to 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 find a performance against a very dangerous Claremont side. I think they will. I think they will. I really hope that um, the only thing that will stop them here is is themselves even though you know we're acknowledging how dangerous Claremont are. So I think they will win. I think Connacht will win instead. And again, you'd have to say Munster will will win against Wasps. Um, there'll be too much determination. So um, four Irish wins is, uh, is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm right. Who knows? But I think, um, I think the four Irish provinces will win this weekend. Let's hope you're right, Quinny. And what about you, Matt? Are you going for all four or are you going to chuck a spanner in the works, are you? No, no. Well, I'm worried because I'm going to go with Quinny, which means we're saying we're eight, which means we're all going to stuff it up somewhere along the line, But which is against the Irish clubs. Look, I think Leinster will win well. I think uh, the Munster and Ulster games are going to be really, really tight. And, and I don't think that uh, – I think Connacht can win. And I, I believe they will win. But I, I think that those two games, the Munster and Ulster games, are going to be really, really tight affairs and could be very much season-determining uh, performances by the Irish provinces. Um, and, and I just hope for Connacht's sake they deserve it. You know, they play with such courage and, and such positivity. Andy Friend's a great, great uh, coach, great old mate of mine. I, I certainly I believe they can get up. So, yeah, I'm with Quinny. Four, four, four good Irish wins, I hope. Let's hope so, man. I hope you haven't scored at all. Well, yeah. It's been fascinating talking to you. And don't forget to tune in at half 12 on Virgin Media 2 on Saturday as Leinster travel to take on Bath at the wreck. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.